Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Hi, my name is Bill Hendricks. I'm the Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I want to welcome you to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. It's a truism that the people who tell the stories in a culture are the people who create the culture. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, that basically means uh, two main institutions, one of the universities and the other is the media and entertainment industry. And so today, I could not be more excited to have Dan and Peggy Ruppel with us to talk about what they do in the media and entertainment industry on both coasts and in between. Uh, Dan is the CEO of Master Media. Master Media International serves as a trusted voice of faith to the mainstream leaders, uh, media leaders of today and an encouraging voice of experience to the media leaders of tomorrow. And I'm going to ask him to unpack that a little bit more. And Peggy is the associate director of the Windriders Forum. And again, I'm going to have her tell you about that really, really exciting thing that she's got going on. But Ruples, thank you so thank much you. for being with us today. Thank you, Bill. It's good to be here. Delightful. On the Table podcast. So, um, Dan, let's go ahead and, and start with you. Um, tell us a bit more about this idea of, of a trusted voice of faith, mm-hmm. both to the leaders of today and then a voice of experience to the leaders coming up. Right. Well, um, Pastor. Tell us a little bit about you know Master Media and how you got into it. Right, Master Media was founded in 1985 by Dr. Larry Poland, and the the media landscape bill in 1985 was basically three. Uh, TV networks, networks and six film studios. So theoretically, if you form relationship with those nine men, and it was all men, uh, in, uh, you pretty much canvassed um, and influenced, in the name of Christ, the media industry. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's all changed. In, in 2005, when the digital revolution uh, hit, we marked 2005 because that's when YouTube was launched. Uh, media changed every, it was changed in, in all ways. Suddenly, you know, the kind of the, the High pyramid and the gatekeepers started lowering a little bit, and uh, and it democratized the industry. Where you know a kid in Des Moines with, with a camcorder, could, yeah, with, could <laughs> could have a YouTube channel and be a cultural influencer because they reach you know four four million uh, followers, and that's not an exaggeration. No, it's, right. it's commonplace. Um, so we had to really redo a little bit of our our uh, strategy to to reach it since it's, it's so widespread. So the reason we say a, a voice of faith, and I'll first address to the media leaders of today, and then we'll talk about uh, the young people emerging, um, is because the the media world has uh, evolved from broadcast to narrowcast to nichecast. Mm-hmm. When I was young, uh, you know, 60 million people watched Bonanza <laughs> on a Sunday night because that was almost the only game in town. Right. You know, so so it really was the the America's campfire television, and there was this unified messaging going on to the culture. Well, you know, and cable came, and that gave that a little bit more. That, that came a little bit more narrow because there mm-hmm. were more things and. Now niche cast because there's a gazillion so uh, you know platforms channels whatever but here's where it's at Bill is is now the audience is so fragmented mm. that 
if they get 700,000 viewers, it's like, wow, we got, a, we got a hit. You yeah. know, this is pretty cool. So what happens is the industry is searching for communities that are underserved. Hmm. They want to find an audience that will be loyal to their type of programming. And so they're, they're looking around America, and that's why you're seeing the, these niches of, of programming. It's like, well, this is really to, you know, people who want to remodel their home. Right, or, or the people or, that are into vampires. Yeah, yeah, they're into vampires or, or whatever it is. Um, and usually, many times, the community with the loudest voice in those rooms gets is the ones that gets hurt, mm-hmm. that gets represented on, on their screens. Their community gets reflected. Often, the absent voice is the Christian voice. Mm. So we're saying we want to serve the industry as a voice of faith, um, sometimes the sole voice of faith, mm. uh, to the, these executives. To we. I'll break it into really two uh, things that we are hoping for. Number one, that we'll have a, a cultural impact. That they'll see the Christian community is a wonderful community. It's the biggest community in America. Right. Depending so, on how you define a Christian, it could be 240 sure. million Americans are you know uh, believe in Christ. Um, they need to know that and know the nuances of our community, the uniquenesses of our community. Uh, so we want to be that voice, but we also want to be that personal voice, that pastoral voice. Um, they don't have that kind of caring pastoral voice in their lives. It's not uncommon, Bill, I'll walk in it, it, the first time I meet with someone. Uh, they could be the CEO of a media conglomerate. They're, mm-hmm. they're really high-placed. And they'll, I'll walk in, they'll be a little guarded, and they'll say, um, so what do you want? Right. What do you want? What do you want? And I'll say, you, gotta, you know. They know you have an agenda. Yeah, they know I have an agenda. <laughs> and I say, that's a fair question. I mean, you, you, you sit in a powerful seat. You have a lot of influence, a lot of authority, and I notice outside your door, you've got a line of people from 8 in the morning till Lord knows when you go home at night, mm-hmm. and they all want something. They want you to greenlight their movie or, or whatever they, they might want. Um, and I think that probably came at a cost personally to you, you know, to, to have that kind of thing where everyone wants something from you. Right. It, takes a, it takes a toll. And I want you to know I, I don't really want anything. I'm here. Uh, I care about you. I, I want to uh, see if I can serve you in any way. And before I leave, I'd like to pray with you. And. <laughs> Bill, they, they don't know what to do. I'm, they don't I'm know guessing. what to do. They're a little bit, you know, it, puzzled. And but immediately they're disarmed. <laughs> the arms go down. They lean in, and they start opening their lives because they realize I can trust this guy. Hmm. I'm not going to tell him something. He's going to go put it on social media within three minutes. Right. You know, he's not going to leverage it to get ahead. Um, but I really, honestly care about him. And then the next time I come back. Uh, you know they'll, they'll they'll give me 15 minutes, but then they'll stretch it to an hour and a half. You know they really right. want to talk because they don't have that kind of voice in their lives. And the other thing is, it's, it, it it gets kind of funny because uh, before I even bring it up, they'll say, "You are going to pray, aren't you? You're going to pray <laughs> right, for me, right. aren't you?" So it's it's a wonderful opportunity to serve that way, to be that voice of faith in well, their lives. Well, I think that uh, Christians often forget. Um, people everywhere have what I would call pastoral needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know they've got somebody in their life that's troubled. Uh, they've got stress themselves. They uh, they have a real concern over something. They they have an uncertainty about yeah. something. Yeah, and those are all sort of moments to be pastoral. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, those opportunities are always there. No matter yeah. if they're human, they're always there. They are. 
They are. And, um, you know, the, the Me Too movement has fueled our conversations oh, uh, amazingly because, you know, I, I, it's, I've had two different executives call me at home and they say, uh, I want you to know you're going to read in Variety tomorrow. I just got fired on Me Too charges, and I'd ask you to pray for me. Hmm. So I'm able to pray for him. But the more common response is sometimes I'll be in an office and they'll go, Dan, I'm, I'm disgusted by my industry. Hmm. You know, how did we allow this? For decades right. to go unchecked and, and and you know and think it's it's the norm, and they realize that they've been operating from uh, a moral vacuum. Right. They don't have a true north. They don't have a, a, a an anchor. A, an anchor, and you know, and it comes back to that God created us in His image, and that we should have mutual respect and in the innate value of all people. It, it's respecting one another, and, and uh, instead of leveraging them for our pleasure, you know, using them. That's the kind of the the uh, culture in, in Hollywood often. So, Dan, how did you how did you come by these, uh, if I could call them, pastoral skills? I mean, obviously, God's given you some gifts in that way, mm-hmm. but where well, did you kind of cut your well, teeth on? I'm 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 a unique hybrid. <laughs> I've spent 41 years working in Hollywood. Right. I started in comedy. I worked in radio. I worked in television. You've been a producer. I've been a producer. I used to uh, supervise The Price is Right and David Letterman right. and all these right. different shows. But I've also, I'm ordained and I've been on four different pastoral staffs. Mm. So my heart has always been to to minister within wherever God plants me. You know, and The Price is Right, I had 100 people on the crew under me. Yeah. So. Um, I, I was able to serve them not by being a jerk and not by being, you know, you know, having John three sixteen on my T-shirt or shaking my Bible, but just living my life among them as Jesus did and showing each person I cared. And pretty soon, the crustiest of stage managers would find me over by you know craft services and say, hey, you know, I just found out I got cancer. Right. And uh, they would say, you know, can you do what you do? Well, what I do is pray, you know. And, and I'll tell you, one of the greatest compliments I ever received was I actually left CBS to go pastor. It was mm-hmm. an obedience to God thing. Yeah. And um, I went into Bob Barker's office and I said, uh, Bob, I'm going to resign from Price is Right. And he goes, Oh, I hate to lose you. What, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go pastor. <laughs> and he said, He paused for a minute. And he said, You know, Dan, that's right. He says, I've always seen you as the pastor of Price is Right. Wow. And that to me was my good and faithful oh gosh, servant yes. moment. It's like, Yes, that's, you know, I, I did what God called me to do there. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my heart behind it. Excellent. So we're going to come back to the leaders of tomorrow, but Peggy, let me shift gears here and hear a little bit more about your background and uh, Windrider and mm-hmm. uh, just your background. Um, I have a very unique background in the sense that entertainment and uh, the media world was never on my radar. It mm. wasn't a lane I was in. I just fell in love with this remarkable man that felt a call to media. And um, not only that, I say remarkable because uh, – and we were young, 19 and 21. Uh, and But uh, that he had this, even then at that young age, this passion to say, this is not just 
my life. This is our life together. Hmm. And by that, he felt like, I want to expose you to kind of what I'm doing. And it could simply have been for to be on the same page together, to get to know him and his, his talent, his calling, but also for prayer support. Um, the, the media industry is, you know, highs and lows. I mean, it's yes. feast and it's famine. And this is really important for unity, that you be in on this together. So in that, he's exposed me to, and I think just to save money, early days, I toured with them <laughs> to do sound because we didn't have to pay a sound man. Right. So I learned that, the cadence of the show and different things. And he brought me in on uh, do voiceover on albums and he, <clears throat> and uh, as well as radio shows and, and co-hosting. Yeah, I, I, I helped co-host on a few times for him on the radio. And then even with CBS to bring me in and understand studio uh, production wow. and operations more um, within the offices there would help out. So these things, this eclectic experience, these little deposits. Well, eclectic is an understatement, Peggy. I, I think you're the only woman that I've ever met um, who has been married to both a pastor and a Hollywood producer. <laughs> well, can you imagine how hard? Without having two marriages. Yeah, you know? that's what I mean. <laughs> it wasn't easy asking for my hand in marriage when my husband, my dad kept saying, oh, yeah. what do you do? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a comedian. Well, okay, now, I wire houses because I'm an electrician, and you, you are? are. I tell jokes on a stage, and people that's give right. me money. And you but, get paid for that. And I get paid right. for that. But he knew I loved him, so that was that. But you know what? What happened uniquely for me in my case is that I had not just an but it really showed that I had an aptitude for it. Mm -hmm. So that I just kind of nosedived. I was a learner and a practitioner at the same time. That is unique. And and uh, and what has been wonderful is that it's really been a place of miracles for me in the sense that mm. I have had to um, realize the fact that I'm continually asked to be at the table, sometimes by respected media professionals who want me to either be part of the process or to lead the process, and that I had to get past that voice in my head that said inadequate for uh, whatever reason, yes. I realized that, that God's good plans in placing me there. Yes. And when I learned to silence that voice, and then I learned to step into that, well, God began to open up great opportunities for me. Yeah. And uh, and part of that was ended up being um, valuable enough to wear a film program at Biola University hired me to come in uh, to be an adjunct there and to also manage their special projects. And I got to know your Reg Grant very well yes. as I directed the Biola Media Conference for years. And, and part of that process came uh, developing a program called When Rider at Sundance. And what's that program around? What is it? What's the concept behind Windrider? Um, well, for the last 15 years, it's uh, we we actually showed up with just two universities at the time, Biola and Fuller, so undergrads and seminary students, I'm talking about you know kind of intersection of faith and culture, and we went in there to see. Well, you know, this is the flashpoint. This is where cultural dialogue is taking place, and there's mm -hmm. nothing like independent filmmaking, mm -hmm. where these are passion projects. Yes. You're not going to make any money usually right. on those. So, what is this unction? What does that say? about the human condition. What are they talking about? Mm. Like, Jesus, who do they say that I am? We thought this would be a holy conversation that we would unpack separately on our own, which is what we did. We watched these films and formed a bit of an apologetic response to them, and it really shaped them as storytellers and, and actually advanced their sense of calling. Because if the world is groping and talking about faith, God, marriage, all these things— 
and sometimes getting it winsomely, beautifully close yep. or right, sometimes horribly wrong. Right. But there's things to be learned about that. At least that they're talking right. about it. At least they're talking about that. This could be a conversation we could maybe enliven. We came with respect that we were sitting in to be listeners and learners um, and the conversation. But then what happens, we began to take filmmakers, bring them back to our um, uh, uh, little form classroom. Right. And there we you know, uh, graciously um, honored their craft, asked about their stories. Um, and it was to their surprise sometimes is that we would sometimes mention these thoughtful spiritual themes that we found in their films. And they would be so deeply moved. Hmm. Because, and even say things like, I wish I could take credit for that, that this, my film did that in you, and sometimes have tears in their eyes. Oh, absolutely. Saying that I, that is the most, because as a director, can you imagine that's there? Well, you celebrated that deepest part of them. Yes. They've labored so hard to get mm -hmm. this into some format that they could get yeah. it to you, and yes. you were moved or touched or, in you know, gained insight from it, and yes. and to know that they had made that connection. I mean, it doesn't get much better for a storyteller. No, it didn't. Yeah. And so it's just grown. We're now uh, uh, 250 students and about 25-plus universities, grad, undergrad, and seminary students, right. DTS and, and being one of them. I was going to say, you mentioned Reg Grant, who is our chairman of the Department uh, in Media Arts and Worship. And every summer, Tim Basselin, who's also a, a assistant professor there. And a takes, dear friend to us at Winrider. Takes a group of DTS students uh, up to Sundance Film Festival mm -hmm. and uh, lets them sort of participate in that whole experience of yes. watching films and reflecting and meeting people that make films. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a very – it's really the only way that uh, – uh, younger storytellers can begin to hone their craft. And mm -hmm. these films um, are not as neat and tidy, yeah. independent films. Kind of like life. Kind of like life. Kind of. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's sometimes I think the best movies aren't the ones that just um, yeah. answer all the questions, but maybe ask, uh, you know, uh, you know, get, provide answers, but ask the best questions. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I think that's what's finding. so exciting about the uh, the independent film movement, and particularly the the top one is is Sundance. Is I always liken it to um, Paul in Athens. Mm. You know, he it, it, what does it say? He he the, yeah, Acts seventeen. He he goes to the marketplace daily, and he's seeing what is the cultural narrative. What are they talking mm -hmm. about? What are they grappling with? Um, and he, he's he's slowly forming a response. And he uses their vernacular. Uses their unknown god statue. You. But <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Sundance Film Festival I kind of feels like the Athens of, of today. Yeah, right. The cinematic it's where Athens the conversation well. is taking. It place. is, and yes. what's happening is it's it's happening in is in its uh, as an incubator. It's it's kind of forming that conversation yeah. that we have witnessed through the six, sixteen years I think now mm -hmm. that we've been there. Is it's the conversation is what the general culture is talking about year, two, three years down the road. Right. It's like forming there. And sadly, often the church isn't even forming a response until four years down the road. Right. We're trying to play catch-up sometimes yeah. on some of these, these topics. So we love the fact that there is a Christian presence, a vibrant Christian presence mm -hmm. at Sundance and being part of that cultural conversation in the very beginning. And you'd be surprised to learn that um, Sundance is great for us, grateful for us as well. Oh, yeah. they, they approached us last year and said we were asking this question uh, was 
amongst our own executive team? And where are the uh, independent communities that we're serving here at Sundance. Who, where, where's the loudest one? Where's that voice? And it was unanimously decided that it would be the Windrider Forum. How good is that? And that it is a, it's a group of Christians, and they <laughs> they brought us brought our leaders in, our CEOs, and they talked with them. They said, "Do you realize that you are our number one block ticket buyers? Wow! Not only that, you are um, you have a little, very small footprint. You don't take hotels for us because." You have somehow galvanized the faith community <laughs> at Park City, Utah, to where you have people opening their doors, host homes, wow. to students <clears throat> that are from every different denomination. First of all, that they, sure. that seems right. like a miracle to right them. There. Right. But what was really sweet is that they said that, and we, for the last 15 years, have heard our own filmmakers come back in exit interviews and say, when we asked them what was their most transformative Q&A experience while you were here. And they say, who knew, but it was a group of Christians at the oh, Winwriter wow. Forum who asked the most thoughtful questions. And they're the ones that would often say, well, we'll give you 15 minutes, and then you know, we'd be vacuuming around their feet because they wouldn't leave. Right, right. But um, so that, that shows you the, um, the power of faithful presence Yes, and doing a community good. We haven't changed anything about the ethos of who we are, and right. they're not asking us to change. They said we'd like to come alongside, and now they're an official sponsor of Windrider Forum, and they're helping us and facilitating opportunity for us. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So let me ask this question. I'm seeing an interesting contrast here. You've got this group of you know, Christians and in, in Windrider and so forth that, you know, Sundance Film Festival says, wow, we really like interfacing with you. Yes, great questions. You treat us well. Uh, the filmmakers love what, you, what you're about. You know, they don't get all of it, but that's okay. So th there's some Christians there. And then meanwhile, you have sort of the stereotype of, you know, the Christian in our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're loud. You know, you talked about the loudest yeah. voice. You know, faith is usually not something we talk about in loud voices, and when we do, we don't do it well, right? Yes. And so there's that whole stereotype over here, and it leads me to this question, um, which y'all are in a perfect position. It's really two, two, two sides of the question. One is, what do Christians most need to know about media leaders, and what do media leaders need to most know about Christians? It's a good I get question. The sense that, yeah. It, you know, in the main, we're talking past each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the media leaders, um, they need to understand um, that uh, the, the real heartbeat of, of why we believe what we believe. Um, they, they don't need to see the outer 
um, expressions that sometimes are really out there, way out there. Yeah, it's not uncommon again to you talk to a media leader and you say, "How do you see Christians?" And they'll say, "Well, I see them as a bunch of ticked off people. Right? They're an angry mob." Right. I say, ah, oh, that's heartbreaking. Why do you feel that way? And he said, because I, I only have because I got people protesting outside they're my bro- studio. Protesting out my <laughs> studio. They're sending hate mail. They're doing all the, the, right. these things, and you know. So we try to share with them that the heartbeat is love. You know, Jesus said, "You'll know us by 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 our, our love." But so they need to understand that we can be a friend. We don't have an agenda. We can just talk to them like we were talking earlier. Yeah. Is is a pastoral voice, a friendly voice, a trusted voice. Mm. So we can. In Jeremiah, you know, he's talking about your exiles in in Babylon, and the Lord speaks to Jeremiah saying, you know, go there for the good of the city, plant. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. We need to let Hollywood know we're we're here to do you good. We're not here to complain about you. Uh, We're here to do you good, to to bring good to to your your programming or or what you're doing. If I could just interject there for a second, Dan. If I understand you correctly, because you used the Daniel example and 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 the... the uh, exiles. That media executive that you're talking with, and you're you're saying, "I'm here to serve you." Is mm-hmm. it a way I can be useful to you? Can I pray for you? Yeah. At the same time, you may detest something that that media executive's right. company has put out there, mm-hmm. and you think, "I would never show my kids that. Mm-hmm. I would right. never want people to watch that." Mm-hmm. But now we're not dealing with that product. You're dealing with this person. Right. It's right. a big difference. A big difference, and, and you, you articulate, well, I'm not afraid to, to object to something, but I don't do it out of anger, right. you know, you better change it, you know. I do it out of explaining why. Right. You know, you had this, you know, do you really want our culture to be feeding on that? You know, you, you shared, I think, Plato earlier about, yeah. you know, it's a, it's it, it, they, the storytellers lead our culture. And, you know, do we really want that out there, that kind of thing? And specifically with Christians, and it's like what, what Christians need to know about them, they don't know us. Right. They don't know us. We pulled out of Hollywood. You know, right. again, if you really know the history of the church, the, Hollywood started with the church. Mm-hmm. The church embraced this new medium called called cinema because they thought this is a great way of getting the gospel message out. Well, well theater itself started with the church. It did. It, you go you go way back. Absolutely. And so so they embraced the Christian arts. Of course, we were totally a Christian nation, and they knew that was their audience. Right. But they also, you know, in the first. Uh, why, uh, I forgot the time frame of, of, of cinema. There were a hundred biblical epics made, you know. So I right. mean, so they, they were doing so much uh, towards the church. But we pulled out. So what happens is my MFA works in screenwriting, and one of the rules is you write what you know. Well, we as Christians often say, why is are Christians always portrayed as hypocritical, puritanical, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, or why are they, you know, serial killers or right. maniacs, wackos, you know? Well, they don't necessarily always know Christians, and the lazy writer will they want to put a Christian character in, so they'll go to default and just okay, what's the stereotype? Okay, uh, they're this. I'll which, put that which in. Which they quite likely have already gotten from some other media form, yes. from another media source. Yeah, and not maybe, an actual Christian. And maybe it was it was reinforced by someone they did meet. That's right, the ones they did know. Yeah, that wasn't the real deal. Um, but the 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 real screenwriter will say, I want to know their heartbeat. 
I want to really do a 3D, you know, authentic portrayal of a Christian. And they and we're finding as they find those and they're friends with them, it's like, ah, wait a minute. We had a film, I won't go into the whole thing of the film, but we had a film that re, at, at Sundance that portrayed Christians so well. And we watched the film, and a, a lady in the audience stood up and said, I, I'm a Christian, I just want to thank you for how you portrayed Christians. Mm-hmm. It was so wonderful. You really reflected who we are. Mm-hmm. And the, the filmmaker, who was not a Christian, said, I wouldn't be doing right by the Christian community if I didn't portray it that way, because on my journey, every Christian I met, that's what they were. Wow. They were kind to me. They supported me. Yeah, every human being has quirks, yeah. but they, at their heart, they were so for my good. They cared for me. So we need, you know, we need uh, the, the, the creatives in Hollywood to understand who we are. Yeah, and, and what her heartbeat I is. I love with Master Media. Dan gets this remarkable, holy opportunity. I am telling you to be in these offices, and um, just and he does. He prays for God to give him an, an on ramp and help me to see it. You know, because God God's wooing this person, and so he steps into that. And uh, and oftentimes when he goes to prayer with these people, I mean, there is in a, in a way an exchange that happens because as he prays for them, they're they're serving under another kingdom, right? Right? They're they're being driven in a way and so but he takes them he ushers them into the kingdom of God exactly and the, the in that place they they they're not receiving condemnation but they but they're also understanding that I have I'm a man or woman and I have feet of clay right and this is not something that I have nurtured at all and so um, it is all of a sudden this level play, this level place that you meet. And I've had the same thing with uh, programmers at Sundance that we've worked together, and I've, we've gone out for coffee afterwards. Mm. And I had this one gal turn her chair to me, and so we we had spent weeks building towards this program. We did it together with my colleagues, and then all of a sudden I get this moment with her that you would have never gotten elsewhere. And she says, "Okay, so now there's there's." I would say evangelicals are fundamental. I'm not really sure exactly where you guys are. And I mean, I know I'm kind of over here. And I said, no, no, you're articulating this beautifully. I think that the far, far right and doesn't necessarily speak for me or the far, far left doesn't necessarily speak for you, right? She goes, yes. I go, those are polarizing voices. Yeah. I said, but look at us. We found our place in the middle to meet within film where we can learn about the life of the learn about the world of the other and i told her a little bit about how jesus rode and how you know that he how he navigated these these situations reaching people's perspective what religious should be and yet here's this relationship i want to show you and demonstrate you i got to give her the gospel in the most beautiful way but it was through this Faithful presence. Faithful presence. And, and, and I think that's what Dan brings so beautifully at Master Media. It's a faithful presence. Mm-hmm. And then God opens these holy moments. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you, you got these, these media leaders and then you've got Christians. And uh, one thing that's true about both of them is they have a heart and they have a story. And what you've done is to let the, those two hearts and those two stories begin mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. connect. Right. And we're not now talking about this big production and mm-hmm. you know, all these cultural yeah. realities about it, and mm-hmm. we're going to critique it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're 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 down to the human level. Yes, the, the retail level. Yeah, the human condition. And it's like 
you've got a job you're doing and 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 I've got a calling I'm called to let's let's talk let's mm-hmm. understand each other yes. and if you're the Christian in, in that relationship of course you've got this relationship with God mm-hmm. and they begin to feel that sense that mm-hmm. they can't even always articulate what is that and the beauty yeah. is what we're working in an arena where there is just the love of story well that's it and then that is I mean this is God has a love of story. Yes, he does. You know, Scripture, so much of it is story. And Jesus said, you know, we used to tell this to our film students all the time, the kingdom of heaven is like, and you tell a story. It is how God has wired us. And so, and it speaks to the human condition so easily. So we can can meet in that place. Well, I have a saying I frequently use, which is uh, that the best way to know somebody is through their story. Yes. Yes. Um, I have been told the Italians um, have a saying, I cannot know you until I have dined with you. Mm. I think the same would be true. I cannot know you until I've listened to your story. That's right. Amen. That's right. And until I really have done that, in a way, I'm not even in a position to pass comment on where you ended up That's in right. your values, your beliefs, your you know, product or whatever. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. absolutely right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Peggy mentioned the world of the other. That, that's what we love about so much about story or, mm-hmm. or film, is when films at its best, it's escorting us into the world of the other, mm-hmm. uh, a person that we're not familiar with that we haven't ever met, or a or a, a, an environment, a location that we've never been to, or a situation that we just. It, previously can't relate to, and it it puts us in that world. And then when we can kind of find ourselves in the world and say, I can understand, man, if that was facing me, I'd I'd react that way too, I think. And and suddenly we we kind of get this common narrative, and that's that kind of holy place that you can meet in and really start talking when you understand one another. It's like maybe that guy's bitter because of his story in the back. That's why he, you know... And, and rather than just dismiss him, oh, that guy's bitter, you know, but it's like maybe there's a reason if I understand his story and sit down, have a cup of coffee, and, and talk it over with him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that occurs to me as well here is uh, you mentioned the word the gospel a minute ago, Peggy, and, and uh, I think one of the unfortunate things we've allowed our Christian tradition to do is to somewhat reduce the gospel or or to – minimize the gospel into what I might call a transaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, I've got to get you to the point where you you say certain things to know that you're over the line into the kingdom, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. Well, that's transactional. Yeah. And if I go into any conversation with that being the yeah. goal, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is human beings are not meant to be that, certainly in their heart and in their soul. Transactional, they're meant to be relational. Mm-hmm. When you look at Jesus and the Gospels, every person he interacts with, it's it's relational. He's always speaking into their heart, and he's not looking to. I've got to, I've got to get you to yes. say something here, do yeah. something. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw something out and let you respond to it, and however you respond, <coughs> then we'll go from there, and vice versa. Yeah, but that humanizes the thing, mm-hmm. and yes, it seems to me yes. what you're talking about. Is you know bringing Christ into somebody's office, somebody's home, somebody's mm-hmm. situation, but doing it in a way that you're incarnating the gospel, yes. not yes. just 
confronting people with yeah. the gospel in yeah. a transactional way. That's exactly what's happening when I was talking about being in that office and them saying, what do you want? See, it's, 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 it's a shift because yeah. suddenly they say, they see and understand that I'm not looking at the chair of authority they're sitting in. Right. I'm looking at who's sitting in it. Yes. You know, Amen. because everyone else that goes in their office is seeing that chair of authority. I have a, a real close friend. Um, he was at a real high level at a network, and he was everybody's best friend. He's invited to every party. He was, you know, you know, whatever. They let him go. He wasn't their best friend. He was their best contact. Best that's contact. Right. Well, that's, that's what right. he, discovered, he discovered. You know, yeah. and and no more invites. You know, he's the loneliest, loneliest guy in town. <laughs> but he realized they were they liked that chair. Yeah, they didn't like me. And they didn't the, care about the day me. after he was gone, they were back there. For they were the back next there person. for the next guy. Right. You know. In that chair. See, there's there's another thing you were asking. What the people need to understand about Hollywood is. There, there are those that really have a, have an agenda against Christians. Yeah, sure. There are definitely that segment. That's, there's that segment in every area of life. You go to a plumber's convention, there's going to be those, you know. <laughs> right. It's in every area of life. But for the most part, Hollywood operates on profits. Right. We it's always a say We always say there's two words to show business, you know. Yeah. They're, they're there to make a profit. And right now, because of the way things are and because movie budgets are now $2 million plus, there's a lot on the line. It, it's really risky. So what is created is there's a spirit of fear that is all around the media industry. Um, there's this fear from executives that my next decision will be my last decision. Mm-hmm. If I green light a, a two hundred plus million dollar film and, and it, it, tanks. it tanks, I'm, I'm gone. gone. <laughs> you know, pack the bag now. Uh, same with an actor and actress. They think my last, my next role could be my last. My my looks are fading. I'm getting too many wrinkles. I've I've aged out of of you know mm-hmm. of what they want, or I'll never deliver that type of performance again. There's this great fear and insecurity. Wow. And you know the creatives are probably uh, the most insecure people on the planet. Absolutely. You know we're always looking for affirmation. Yeah. It was a good. Was it good? Was it good? You know. You're and, always uh, on that tightrope. You're always that tightrope. Yes. You know, yes. so to have a, a loving presence, just to go in and say it's all right, it's all right. You know, you're you're good, you're good, and uh, affirm them. Uh, that's a, a kind thing to do. And even help them with uh, it's, it's some of its identity issues. Can you imagine the rejection that these actors have to deal with constantly? And to come back and say that I'm I am enough. Uh, the, so there's you'd be pleased to know that there is about ten thousand professing Christians that yeah. are in Hollywood today. Yeah. And one of the reasons, and, and part of what Master Media does is it invests in the, them as well to help them see their job as missional. Dan can't to get into all the rooms that they're at. Right. But if the church, if believers who are in the arts can see their job as missional, they can do the same thing that he's doing and and, yeah. and, and that's make one of the, another change. That's one of the shifts. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, Bill, that, that Master Media, when it was founded, there were nine people you needed to reach. Well, now there's countless, and I can't, and, and my team, I have a team in New York and team in Hollywood, we can't reach everybody. But you realize... Okay, I can't get it in that that person's office, but this person who's a Christian is in that office every day. They work alongside him. So let me pour into them. Yep. You know, it's that ministry model. Let me pour into them and help them to shift their thinking. I'm not here to for fame and fortune. I'm here on assignment from God. Right. To missionally to love on the media industry for the betterment of Hollywood. And 
you know, pour into them and let them uh, talk to them and be that Christian presence. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because sometimes when people hear Christians hear the term missional, we can get back to that trans- transactional thing. Right. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. My job is really a platform for me to evangelize mm-hmm. people. Okay. Yeah. And of course, in one sense, it is, but it's it's a misunderstanding of missional. Yes. God calls people into media, say, mm-hmm. and and the arts and and entertainment, who are Christians, because He wants them to go into doing art or doing media or doing entertainment the way Jesus would do art or media or entertainment mm-hmm. were He living in their skin. Mm-hmm. Like the work itself matters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. God wants good art made. He wants good entertainment made. He wants good media done, right? Mm-hmm. Just like he wants the cobbler to make good shoes right. or he wants the doctor to do good medicine. Yes. The the work itself has value mm-hmm. because God's gifted you and called you into that line of work. Yeah. In the doing of the work, how you interface with other human beings is also all, all a part of it because mm-hmm. that too needs to be – an authentic presence of Christ in that place mm-hmm. that you're, the Corinthians says, an ambassador of the king. Yeah, I'm here doing this work, but I'm representing the king. Yes. Mm-hmm. I need to yes. treat you the way that king wants you to be treated. Yeah. We did that, a large event at uh, CBS. It's called Legacy. We did it for the National Day of Prayer, and we invited yeah. about 450 leading entertainment professionals and um, um, wonderful, wonderful actor, uh, David Oyelowo. Honey, tell him what David said. It was oh, remarkable. Oh, yeah. David Oyelowo, if you're not familiar with him, he, he played um, Martin Luther King in the film Selma. Right. Wonderful actor, deeply passionate about the Lord, and he, he got up there and he he was doing this call to excellence you know if we're going to reflect our god you know let's let's be excellent because our god is excellent and and he's a god of beauty and and in detail and he was talking about uh he says you know at the bottom of the ocean where nobody can see it there are the most beautiful vibrant colors and shapes and all these things he goes that's unnecessary. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it didn't, God didn't need to put it down there, you know, where nobody's going to see it. But he did, because he's a God of beauty. And that's the same thing. You were talking about this, this excellence. And to get to the second part of our, our mission, to be an encouraging voice of experience, yeah. as we're going around to universities and talking to film students, we're calling them to be Daniels to, in, in, in Babylon. And we look at, at three things that, that Daniel utilized to really thrive mm-hmm. in Babylon. Number one was his commitment to excellence. It says two or three times in the book of Daniel, he did it with excellence. Mm. He did it the best of the best. And Hollywood brings the best of the best of storytellers. And so you want to be ex- be more excellent if you can. Yeah. So approach it with excellence. You certainly don't want to do your best. And you never want to, and you never want to say, um, it's good enough for the Lord. Right, you know, it's good enough for a Christian thing. Don't don't do that. No, Say no, no. no. I want this to be the best film. Um, the other thing is he was he was strong in his convictions, uncompromising. Don't go in there and, and play by their rules. You know, don't assimilate into the culture where it's like, oh, that's what it takes to make it. Because one of the things that's so wonderful, um, if you look at the history of all the great great filmmakers, one of the things among others, that, that set them apart was they had a unique voice. Uh, I, I challenge some film students, 
Watch a great master filmmaker and turn the sound down just by watching what he does. You can probably tell me who that filmmaker is. Yeah. You know, they have that unique style. You have a uniqueness in you that you're walking in king, the kingdom. Exactly. And your relationship with Christ brings a lot to the table that makes you a, mm-hmm. a wonderful voice. So utilize that and be strong in that, uncompromising. But the third thing he did is is he, he didn't drink from the king's cup. And like, you know, in, in Hollywood, the king's cup is fame and fortune. Don't pursue that. Yeah. It's empty. Right. I know so many people that that was what they pursued. They didn't get it, and they deserted Hollywood bitter. I know others that pursued that and, and got, got it. And then they were empty. And empty. It's like, man, it's not what it's called. You know, to be, you know it's, it, it, was, it left them empty. And so go in and say, this is my assignment from the Lord. I'm going to bring that presence to the Lord joyfully and just you know, be a, that loving kingdom presence. And we need the spectrum. We need, you know, there's, there's a space for overt messages, but there's also really a, this remarkable space for where the, the power is in the subtext. Right. And is this, this uh, the, the, the conviction and all that emanates from who this character is as opposed to a process, the, the dactyl process that he goes through. So things like a chariot of fire, fire. Right. so yes. you have someone who is innately who they are, and this right. resonates with this ph- phenomenal story. So we're preparing students, we feel the onus to prepare them for it all, um, being older and having walked this road a bit. But part of this, why we're on this 16 a university tour, in a sense, is uh, actually responding to something we see God doing ahead of us. And that is, there are film programs every that are burgeoning. The mm. Lord is up to something. Mm. God is calling young storytellers uh, in multifaceted, not just film, but in all sorts of arena in the digital space um, and designers and things, um, And he, because it's, it's one of the growing majors on every Christian campus. So he said, okay, God is up to something. And he is, you know, priming the pump. <laughs> and um, and there is a, there's this little thread we're seeing that has been very hopeful and encouraging. And that is that these students are, they want to be at their best and all these things, but they also want to come and bring a wholeness in who they are in this process. So they're listening to the story of the road that we've taken, the fault, the the, the struggles we've had, where we've had, um, um, we, you know, the margins we need to place on our life, the importance of keeping a Sabbath. And we're we're just letting know, listen, if you want to thrive in Hollywood, you're going to have to make these decisions, make these choices, you know, know find your tribe. You need to make sure that you you are with like-minded people who have your calling, who get you. Find your faith community. Uh, put margins in your life. Build relationships. Build your family. Put your put your marriage, uh, you know, first, and and you're you're re- raising your children. You know, come in with everything at the table. Well, I couldn't be more excited about that particular part of your work, uh, the voice of experience to the the rising leaders. Uh, as the father of a storyteller, uh, I can mm-hmm. tell you. All that you've said is absolutely the case, and I would say to our listeners who uh, are not storytellers, you know, they're not those people, but Christians can come around those storytellers as they're coming along and mm-hmm. coming up and surround them with support. I, I think that you you probably know this better than most. It is it, You mentioned creatives are some of the most insecure people in the mm-hmm. world. So as they're trying to put their life together, put their, their career together, you know, they need voices around them of support, encouragement, mm-hmm. prayer, 
um, wisdom, not condemnation, not criticism, not yes. you know knocking what the calling is that God has has given to them. Um, I, I just can't thank Dan and Peggy mm -hmm. enough for coming to be with us, Rupal. Thank you very much. This has just been an outstanding. Uh, time and we could go on and on. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for your work. God bless your thank work you. out there in, yes, in again, you. both coasts. But uh, thank you for being on the Table Podcast yeah. today. Thank you for having us. We've enjoyed absolute it. absolute blessing. Thank you. Well, great. If you have a topic you would like us to consider here on the Table Podcast, just email us at thetable at dts.edu. And for The Table, I'm Bill Hendricks. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.